Hi, and welcome to Healing Quest, your healthy lifestyle show. I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst. Thanks for joining us on our quest for optimum natural health. You know, an enormous amount of scientific development is happening right now in this area. And our goal every week is to bring you information from the leading edge of that work. Well, several weeks ago, you may remember that we told you about a congressional report that found that many popular baby foods contain toxic heavy metals like arsenic and lead and mercury. And these toxins are dangerous to our little ones in many ways, and especially to their gut microbiome, which is so important to digestive and immune health. These toxins are by no means the only health challenges to infants and toddlers and all of the youngsters in our life these days. Fortunately, it is possible to protect their microbiome. And in about 20 minutes, we're going to be speaking with a world-renowned microbiologist about just how we can do that. Also in our show today, the sobering results of a big survey on big waistlines and some expert insights on how to shrink them. And Judy's self-care segment today has some insights on the difference between self-care and selfish. But first, we want to spend some time alerting you to a disinformation campaign that's aimed at all of us, and that's designed to undermine confidence in COVID-19 vaccines. Now, our sources tell us the campaign is being orchestrated by Russian intelligence agencies. It's putting millions of Americans at risk, and it could prolong the COVID-19 pandemic. But now a global biotech group is fighting back against the disinformation. The group is called the Biotechnology Innovation Organization. It's based here in the U.S. and it has members in more than 30 countries around the world. Its chairman is Dr. Jeremy Levin, and he's joining us now via Zoom from Connecticut. Dr. Levin, welcome to Healing Quest. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. It's nice, it's nice to have you here. Well, so we'd like to start by getting a, a quick overview of the Biotechnology Innovation Organization. This is the organization that represents all biotechnology companies in the United States, about a thousand of them, agriculture, environment, industry, and of course, medicines. Okay, great. That's a great overview. <laughs> so how do we know that the uh, Russian intelligence agencies are behind this vaccine disinformation campaign? This is a sophisticated set of pieces of information which have all come through since roughly last October. What we saw were first strange and anomalous types of news coming from websites, which were exactly the same websites that, in fact, the Russians had used in 2016. These websites essentially promulgated news that was actually fake news. They started by, first of all, talking about the fact that Russia was the leading proponent of vaccines and they were going to have the first approval, all of which was correct. But then quickly these shifted to tens and tens of articles which described anomalies in Western testing processes. Mm -hmm. So pretty so soon, became clear that they were using the same websites, the same approach to describe what factually were inaccurate facts about Western testing and Western vaccine trials. Well, it looks like the public opinion polls show that a, a significant percentage of Americans are really skeptical of the Pfizer and the Moderna and, and the J&J &J vaccine. So how, how do you respond to that skepticism? 
Well, that skepticism is born of, unfortunately, a track record which started in the 80s, where vaccines suddenly became something that one were worried about. A completely false report was put out by a, a publication called The Lancet. That spread rapidly, and it took 15 years to unwind the facts behind that. Vaccines never did the harm, they said. What we see today in America, unfortunately, is the results of that, plus the failure last year to excite the public about the possibilities and the safety of the trials that were coming on and that were being conducted by Moderna, by J&J, &J, and by Pfizer. And then you couple that now with the disinformation by the Russians who, who are talking about their vaccine, Sputnik V being the savior, you actually have a situation which is very confusing for many people in America. Well, you know, we when we hear people talk about the vaccines, we hear that, you know, they're very safe and 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 the efficacy. But has there ever been an mRNA vaccine? I mean, how do we know that? They're talking about other vaccines, older vaccines that that have proven to be safe. No, in fact, they're not. Uh, this is a revolution, a rather wonderful revolution, actually. But just to be clear, vaccines, novel vaccines, we accept them, for example, in cancer. In 2007, there was a sudden revolution in cancer with new vaccines where you actually inserted a gene into a human body and you helped the body attack cancer. So we do vaccination now for cancer. It's about 50% of all cancer therapies. We've never once heard people saying we're worried about that. Now we have a vaccine, a novel vaccine, mRNA, that's really exciting. It has potentials across multiple different therapeutic areas and, of course, in infectious diseases. And the reality is the testing is exceptional. There's no doubt. I personally had one of them. I'm extremely happy to have had actually both, vaccine, both vaccines, um, and I'm very comfortable with it. And so I think that the more we educate people about the safety of this, these types of vaccines, the better it will be. I think one of the disinformations that's out there is that somehow the, the COVID-19 vaccines are going to alter our DNA. And, and, and that sounds very scary. Is that true? Sure does sound scary, but absolutely impossible. It is not possible. You cannot do this. <laughs> these viruses, the mRNA cannot change your genes. It's just... I don't know where that story came from, but boy, it's, uh, <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> rewind the tape. It, it's one of the biggest of the big lies. It, it, it's it's really out there, and I think that uh, again, that's probably coming from the the all of the the disinformation that we're getting. Yeah, that's correct. That's if absolutely you, correct. If you're just joining us, I'm Roy Walkenhorst, and I'm Judy Brooks, and you're listening to Healing Quest, and we're speaking with Dr. Jeremy Levin. He's the chairman of the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, which is fighting back against a disinformation campaign being waged to undermine confidence in COVID-19 vaccines from Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson. Dr. Levin, what about concerns that the vaccine is injected in the upper arm, close to the lymph nodes? So it then quickly reaches the lymph nodes and could be damaging. And and I'm going to just add a little another part to that question. As, and I'm asking that because there are some people that shouldn't get this vaccine because of their health conditions. Is that not true? 
I, d I don't quite yet know if that's actually true. I think we need to be very cautious about who shouldn't get it and who should get it. There are certainly individuals who should not get it subject to what their doctor says. However, with regard to the lymph nodes, um, I personally had the shingles vaccine, which is put in exactly the same spot. I really found that one tough, to be honest. However, it was close to the, it's exactly right. It's up here under what's called your auxiliary lymph nodes are there and you get the shot in your arm and it is reasonably close. But factually, there's no reason to suppose that those lymph nodes will be affected any differently from the rest of your system. That you, the way these vaccines work is your whole system responds to them. So I'm comfortable in saying at least what I've learned to date, that there's no evidence for having it here is any different from having the shingles vaccine, to be perfectly honest. Well, what if someone has lymphoma? Well, first of all, I, I, lymphoma is a tough disorder, and those who defeat it are my heroes. It's like any of these. I'm very, very uh, conscious of the fact that we can defeat lymphoma, so very important. If they've had lymphoma... This is a, I'm, I'm, I've, all, I've met many, many of my friends actually have had this and they've fought it and they've fought it well. Um, I would encourage them to have a chat to a sensible oncologist because quite frankly, I don't think that there's any reason to suppose that these, these vaccines shouldn't be effective with that individual. I do know that in other cancers, it's absolutely essential that you do it. For example, the second largest the second most fatal group with COVID is lung cancer. The first is actually neurological disorders. However, those individuals who've had lung cancer most certainly should be taking the vaccine without a doubt. And I would have little doubt that an oncologist who's working with somebody with lymphoma would probably say, hey, I think you should be having this. And I'd feel comfortable if it was my, if I heard that from a good oncologist, and I mean a good one. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Because I think that's a question that a lot of people have is that w what are the underlying conditions that would that would make a person make the decision not to get the vaccine? And I guess we don't know yet, maybe. We don't know. But you know, what's really remarkable, we've vaccinated a goodly proportion of America to date, tens of millions of people. In that there are so few instances of radical uh, effects of the of the vaccine. Uh, to the contrary, we focus on the on individual episodes of strange things that happen with uh, with COVID. For example, we know that there are two hundred, a little bit less than three hundred children have died from COVID, which is a tiny number. And yet, amongst those is a tiny number of patients who've died from this terrible, terrible inflammatory disorder. It's very, very rare. And yet suddenly the families were terrified that COVID would bring this to their children. So one has to be careful about magnifying effects that are just not there because they're strange. They're frightening and they quite justifiably are frightening. There are, given that so many people have had the vaccine at this stage and so few side effects have occurred, I think we should have an increasing and strong belief that these vaccines are going to be the barrier against this pandemic. Can you remind us about the um, the testing procedure, the three levels that had to um, be uh, successfully surmounted before uh, uh, um, uh, approval was given to begin administering the vaccines? 
Yes. This is a standard procedure worked out over thousands and thousands of medicines and also uh, vaccines. And the process basically starts with trying the vaccine or the medicine on a normal person. That's called phase one. Then you run through a phase two, which is really, you want to, in the first instance, phase one, you want to just see, is it doing anything? Is it harming you? Phase two is that process whereby you say, is it having an effect? And then phase three is measuring it in a much larger population and saying, gee, I know it has an effect. Can I see who it's affecting, how it's affecting, how does different dosage work? And so what you do is you follow a very rigorous path. And that path starts with a few, gets to a few more, and then you do tens of thousands if you can. And in this instance, to your point, Ray, they were accelerated. And they accelerated it not by missing out on the steps, but by doing things in parallel. It was pretty amazing, really gutsy. They got did all the paperwork at the same time that you'd normally do for phase two. They were doing it at phase one. All the manufacturing plants that you'd normally wait right at the end, they started manufacturing at risk right at the beginning. So they were doing things in parallel. And it, I have to say it was quite remarkable. I never believed initially they could possibly do it this rapidly. And yet they did. Uh, and that it did it well. Can we trust the vaccines which, uh, which Russia and China supposedly are uh, wanting to make available? I can trust the EMA and the FDA. I cannot, whether that comes from Russia, China, India, I don't mind. I want my organization of the United States, the one that we as taxpayers pay for, the FDA, and as European taxpayers pay for the EMA, I want them to demand the rigor from any of these different vaccines. If they develop the data and it's there, we have the way of assessing does it or doesn't it work. Until I see that data transparently reviewed by our regulators or in Europe, the EMEA, I don't even think about it as being anything other than an interesting, good, good attempt at trying to find another vaccine. No data, no evaluation, I can't assess it, and neither should you. So I'd like to, I want, in our case, the FDA to put their hands all over this. Will they be doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, unfortunately, we only have about a minute left. So do you have a closing thought you'd like to leave with our viewers today? Yes, we can fight this pandemic together, but it will take all of us. If we do not isolate the the people who are not taking vaccines, who don't take vaccines, those who don't want it, if we don't keep them safe, then we are doing ourselves not a power of good. We need to be vaccinated. We need to have social distancing. We need to have masks. We will win against the pandemic, undoubtedly, but only if we take the steps ourselves to do so. We can't leave it to others. Well, up next in our show, the big truth about big waistlines and some big ideas about how to deal with them. And don't forget, podcasts of this and other Healing Quest shows are available at our website, HealingQuest.tv. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Healing Quest. I'm Roy Walkenhorst. And I'm Judy Brooks. And you're listening to Healing Quest on iHeartRadio. Radio. 